Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Jody Mellon. Welcome to Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. This series of podcasts is dedicated to helping parents and other people who are connected with children um, help children behave and be their best. I'm in this unique position to share these kind of things with you because I've been a child counselor and a play therapist for nearly 20 years. I'm also a mom, so um, I learned many of my lessons about working with children and being with children and communicating with children um, from my own child clients and my own children. Um, I like to think of them all as teachers, and um, I think I'm a pretty good student, so some of that's what you'll get to hear today. Um, This has informed my parenting as well as the parent coaching that I do as part of my clinical practice. Um, I recognize in working with thousands of children and parents that There are just some simple principles for parenting. We'll cover more than 20 principles for blissful parenting so you too can have freakishly well-behaved kids. These principles are simple and they're actually life-altering. They will change and enhance the relationships you have with children, how children behave, how you feel about yourself around children, and improve your overall parenting esteem or teaching esteem or counseling esteem. In this podcast, I'll I'll talk about a specific principle or lesson and how you can apply it. There will be special guests, and we have one today, that will further our conversations about parenting and children. You'll want to stay tuned for my upcoming book also called Blissful Parenting, and you can check out my website at www.integrativecounseling.us and follow me on Twitter at Dr. Jody Mullen. So... Um, one more thing that's just really exciting to tell our listeners about is that um, my family and I created uh, Naughty No More, a workbook to help make help kids make good decisions, and that's easy to order. You can do that through the website or by calling 315-342-9255. So enough about that. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about my guest today, Jake Hedges. Jake's a mental health counselor and a play therapist with a specialty in trauma work. Jake is also a veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan, so thanks, Jake, for your past. And I like to think about also current service um, in terms of your work with children, adolescents, and the adults you're working with. So um, today we're focusing on anxiety in children. Hi, Jake. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I, You know, both of us uh, have the opportunity to work with children, adolescents, and adults, and we get to see how um, anxiety is like a, is common for all of those, you know, groups, age groups of people to deal with, but um, that it's really different. It looks really different. It, it is really different um, in children. So today, we're going to really just focus on that, and, um, you know, we talked about this before, um, obviously, getting together for this podcast. So could you talk a little bit about, and I think this is a great place to start, the importance of seeing anxiety from the child's perspective? 
Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of times we, especially, you know, we get to a certain point and we tend to look at everything with adult glasses. Um, <laughs> and when we look at anxiety and when we look at worry um, and we see, you know, what children worry about, sometimes with those adult glasses on, they go, oh, there's no reason for you to be worried. And, and we can really um, mitigate, we can really, like, I think, minimize their worries and, you know, kind of throw them to the wayside. Um, but I think what's important is to look at it and really try to come to an understanding of, okay, if I was in their shoes, that would that's a legitimate worry that actually feels threatening. Um, a lot of times, sometimes they might sound silly or sometimes they might sound way off base. Um, but in, in that moment for that child, it really is it really is scary and it really does have an effect. And I think that's a big yeah. importance to be able to see it like that. Yeah, I, and I just want to illuminate something that you said. I mean, I think one of the things that happens um, with anybody that we see kind of suffering is, and, and anxiety does look like suffering um, in, in, you know, all age groups, is that, you know, frequently when we know somebody's worried about something, we tell them, don't worry. And, I, you know, if we think about how silly that is for even a second, like it definitely comes from a place of compassion and, um, and, and care. But, you know, if you're truly worried about something and somebody tells you don't worry, it's not like you're like, oh, yeah, all right, that worked. Now I'm not worried anymore. <laughs> you just, exactly. Now you just feel like, <laughs> right? Now you just feel like you can't share your worry with them. So it actually, you know, um, I mean, it's come from this really great place, but it actually can shut down communication. And, and, and we're going to talk about that in a little while, is why you want to make sure you don't do that um, with your children um, and the children that you care about when they're experiencing anxiety. So um, what are even some of the things that kids, I mean, experience anxiety around? Oh, man, there's so many new things. Um, and it, it, sometimes it involves, like, when you're looking at your adult with your adult glasses, like, rewind time a little bit and go back to when you were a kid. What were some of the things that you remember really being afraid of or having worries about? And they might seem absurd now, but in that moment, they were really pressing and really scary. Um, you know, like big changes, like a new school, um, talking to a stranger. Um, or another one is, you know, sitting alone in the dark. When you're an adult, you know, that might not seem so scary, but when you're a kid... Stuff like that really seems threatening. Um, but yeah. I think they can come in a lot of different forms. Yeah, even performance kinds of things that are, it could be taking a test. It could be standing in front of the class and needing to do something. It can be performance related to sports or theater or music. You know, so in the in 20 so years that I've been working with children, that's, you know, oftentimes it's about these things that adults also get um, anxious about, uh, and, you know, for some reason we just have this expectation that either, you know, children should, shouldn't get nervous or they should just get over it. But they're just, you know, very common day-to-day things. And, um, you know, I think one, one thing to keep in mind is that anxiety is a normal part of living. Uh, and that's, so we're talking about the normal anxiety that we feel when we try something new or have to do something that pushes us um, out of our comfort zone. But as clinicians, you know, we also see kids who have anxiety that's impairing them. And and I think that distinction is um, pretty important because anxiety is normal. You should feel anxious sometimes. <laughs> Our kids should feel anxious sometimes. But when it impairs you, when it gets in the way of you um, playing a, playing your sport or playing your instrument, when it gets in the way of you um, getting on the you know getting on the bus and going to school, things like that, then we're talking about um, you know a different level of anxiety. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that impairment's a big thing. Yeah. So, but anxiety things, you know, anxiety, but it is on a continuum. So, how does anxiety like even work with kids? What you know? What, how would we know our kid is anxious? What does that look like? Well, it's easy when they express it verbally. I think again, when we're you know when we're adults, we see it with the adult classes. They go, okay, they said, okay, I'm worried about this. Um, but with children, sometimes it comes out um, and manifests itself differently, and sometimes physically too. Um, often, you know, if they get stomach aches a lot of the time or uh, headaches, that's often a symptom of that elevated anxiety. You know, trouble sleeping. Um, that those are some other signs that um, outside of that, you know, when they verbalize it, that that might be a sign. Of, okay. Something might be going on where this is really starting to impair them outside yeah. of a normal response. Oh, well, and I can think of, um, you know, some examples with my own children is, you know, one is um, seeing them regress. So by that I mean they they start whining or acting younger um, than they are, you know, chronologically. And then I, I, if I may share two stories, but one's a little bit um, dated. One happened yesterday, so it's not dated at all. But... Uh, when my daughter was um, uh, was in fourth or fifth grade, um, you know, I, I, I think there was, you know, uh, some of the kids started to, you know, have those fourth and fifth grade level boyfriends and girlfriends and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I, I knew that some of her friends had a boyfriend or had a girlfriend, and um, but she didn't. She didn't seem all that interested in getting involved in that. And then for like three days in a row, um, she was complaining of her stomach hurting. She was having trouble falling asleep at night. She was like a like more clingy than usual. And you know, finally, I said, "Okay, like this is not how you typically act." And I think that's a big thing in terms of the children that we're connected with. Um, you know, whether it's professionally or personally, is there gets to be this like this is not the way that they usually are. You know, because some I mean, some kids are kind of chronically anxious, and that's the way they are. It's um, trait anxiety versus state anxiety. So it's a trait versus all of a sudden they get this anxious state. Well, my daughter's not typically anxious. So, um, so you know, I said to her something like, look, if this is what I do for a living, I know something is going on. And it turned out that, you know, um, that, you know there was uh, someone in her class who asked her out, and she really just didn't feel ready for it and didn't know what to do because she didn't want to be mean and say, like, no, I don't want to go out with you, but she also wasn't ready for it. And so once we, you know, once I sort of um, was able to say, like, look, I can tell that something's upsetting to you, it gave that invitation for verbalization. And I I think, um, you know, we talked a little bit about what it looks like when they don't verbalize, but sometimes as adults, um, our kids, who are able to verbalize, we have to give them that invitation. We, you know, we have to extend that to them so that they know they can verbalize about it. And then just quickly, um, I'll tell one other story, and then I promise, Jake, I'll take a breath and let you go. Is, um, sure. is that uh, yesterday, my, my son, he's 11, he, you know, did something, he made a mistake, and um, he um, wanted to talk to me about it, and he did. He told me the mistake, and it was really interesting because as soon as after he told me what he did, and it was a social mistake, um, he said, I had such bad butterflies in my stomach. And I thought, oh, that is such a great, you know, way to explain it that people could really understand is that, 
the anxiety around, you know, having made this mistake and now what do I do was, was really making him feel sick. So, he, like, he couldn't eat his dinner until after, you know, he told me because those butterflies were so, um, they, they were fluttering around pretty violently. So um, sort of like listening for opportunities to allow kids to share with you um, their anxiety when, you know, when they can do that verbally. Exactly. I know that there's sometimes there's um you know when we we see someone that's worrying we ask them well what's wrong, um, and sometimes kids can verbalize that but sometimes not and I think when we ask what's wrong in that moment we have to be aware of how where we're coming from are we annoyed are we um, are we angry are we or are we actually like listening and trying to figure out what's going on but I think trying to get that validation and trying to give them that open door of um, you know, just touching on, hey, it seems like something's really bothering you. Um, would you like to talk about it? Um, I think that offers you a non, like the kids a non-threatening option to to really bring it out. Yeah, I think even so, we've talked about this on a bunch of different um, previous podcasts um, about how the language we use with children is really important. Um, you know, especially for those who are more concrete thinkers um, who think, you know, like when you say, um, I'll be off the phone in 10 seconds and they go like one, two, <laughs> like kids like that, is that when you say what's wrong, it implies that to some, you know, kids are going to understand that as something's wrong with me, you know, and that might, you know, that could exacerbate some of the anxiety. So, um, so maybe even changing the words and saying like it looks like you're upset or it looks like you're not feeling well. And I think the feeling well or you're not feeling good on the inside um, is a great way to get that going because um, most of us, to a degree, experience anxiety somatically or physically anyway. So it just gives like it sort of gives that lead in of like okay, they can say as my belly hurts or I, I have a headache and then you can um, you know offer some additional opportunities for them to expand on that yeah absolutely I think it, it changes how the conversation is so it, where before it would be a what's wrong and then they worry about what just like you said what's wrong with them this turns it into right. a conversation where they are allowed to, to kind of take the lead yeah so how do you even talk to kids then about, because this sounds a little bit tricky, how do you even talk to kids about worry or anxiety? I mean, anxiety is a pretty big word, but I noticed that even a lot of like the first and second graders, you know, so seven and eight-year-olds that I work with, they know the word, like they know the yeah. word anxious, they know the word anxiety. Um, so how should we be talking to, as adults, how should we be talking to children about anxiety? It's there's a lot of tips and tricks. Um, so we can kind of split it into some do's and don'ts. Um, we touched on one already. Um, I think that you know that um, that there's nothing to be afraid of, which I, it seems like that really cuts down. So it's there's no conversation anymore. It's like saying, well, this is what you feel and this is what it feels like to you, but that doesn't matter because your worry has no basis. And then I think children feel like, well, I can't talk about this. Um, right. There are ways, and another one, another another don't would be we're um, trying to keep yourself from labeling. Like, oh, you know, and kids have, you know, they have that radar. They can pick things up and they can overhear things. So by saying, well, yeah, he or she is really a worrier, um, stuff like that um, really, I think that really impacts them to think, okay, that, they, you know, they'll start to label themselves. Um, so yeah, hold back um, from doing that. 
Yeah, I, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking the difference between I am feeling worried and I am a worrier or I am feeling anxious and I am, you know, anxious. You know, those are very different and those are messages that then, you know, they keep playing in their heads, so to speak. That self-talk can be really, you know, uh, ingra- become ingrained and, and therefore more damaging, you know, as they go through adolescence and adulthood. And the other thing, you know, when you were saying um, – like you know, a don't is the you know don't don't worry about it kind of um, response. It's sometimes like it's like I feel like I'm on automatic pilot with that. I know not to say that, but I still say it. And so you know, I wanted to just share with other you know, especially parents out there, because you know, it's every day is an opportunity to make additional mistakes as a parent. Is you know, when I do say it, when I do catch myself saying, "Don't worry, it's not a big deal," is that is then being able to say, "You know what? I wish you weren't worried about this," and I and it probably is a big deal because you are worried. So really, just sort of taking it back and recognizing, you know, because it it comes so quickly, like you. Can, you hear yourself say it, and you're like, I can't believe I just did that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I think there's different ways, I think, to, to kind of let this conversation go on when you do have the conversation with your child about what they're worrying about. Um, and one little trick um, while you're having this conversation, and, you know, they start to talk about what they're feeling is, you know, to say, hey, you, if you feel like that's going to happen, but do you think it's going to happen? And I think when you ask that simple question, it, it helps them realize that there's two parts, and I think that's one thing that really makes anxiety work and fire up, is that there's two parts in your mind, one that feels something's going to happen, and the more logical part where you understand, like, well, that's a good chance this might not happen, and um, there's a lot of th- things that make you feel safer about it. And I think that might give them an opportunity to really combat that fear and talk about things yeah. that, okay, well, actually, it might go well. Yeah. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about um, a clinical example of a young girl that I work with who, um, you know, definitely deals with anxiety on a pretty regular basis, and it does impair her, so we're talking about a higher level here. But um, one of the things that she worries about is that if she's wearing a necklace and her dad stops short while driving the car, that the necklace would then pierce, you know, her chest, and and heart, and she will die. I mean, and she very much has made that, like, something to worry about among a whole bunch of other things that she's worried about. And one of the things that seems to really work um, for her is we, we, like, almost do, like, an autopsy of what she, how she's come, come up with that. And so, like, okay, so um, we do you know, what what kind of necklace are we talking about? Because she really, I mean, this came up because she told me somebody bought her a necklace and she really wants to wear it, but she's too scared to wear it. Um, and she's also scared it might get caught on something while she's walking around school and then, you know, it would choke her, you know, that kind of thing. So we, we really just sort of take it apart and talk about, like, what are the chances of? And and then um, the other thing that I, I find really helps um, clinically with kids that are marking with you, um, you know, have are feeling anxious and then they turn it to thinking that supports that feeling is, um, you know, kind of making fun of it. So having a sense of humor about like, all right, seriously, have you, you know, and I'll, I, I have a very good rapport with her at this point And I get to say like, have you ever seen on the news any kids or have you ever heard about any kids dying from, you know, this kind of thing? And then, 
supporting it with logic and talking a little bit. She's a very bright, you know, kid. So I can talk about, like, anatomy a little bit with her and the strength of the sternum and, you know, and that um, that aspect. But, you know, I think you have to, um, when you're talk, thinking about how to talk to kids about worry, um, it's individualized to a degree. You know, what can I get away with with this kid? And when it's your own kid, you're the expert on them. So, you know, you know, you can trust what, what to do um, just using some of these guidelines that, uh, Jake is giving us. What well, other other yeah. tips for us, Jake? Exactly. I think, um, and also just to, to kind of piggyback what you said there, of like knowing developmentally too of um, you know where they're at um, and whether that you know, conversation is something that you know that will that will work. Um, there's another trick when you kind of move it a little forward. Uh, what we can call reframing, and and that's like. So you said making fun of the anxiety a little bit, and this is a way where you can take the anxiety and turn it into a thing. Um, so when you talk about it with your child and, you know, pull out that worry, um, you can reframe it to, um, to, you know, kind of make it like the anxiety is playing a trick on them. Um, it's making them think mm-hmm. something bad's going to happen and it makes them think that it's definitely not going to happen, not maybe. Um, and I think with some kids this can be fun, too, um, helping them, like, okay, well, what is that voice in your head? And is it a worry bug? Or help them give it a name or a face. Mm-hmm. And they can even make fun of that, too. Of like, man, you know, the worry bug's really trying to trick me right now and really trying to make me think that something bad's going to happen and yeah. encourage them to talk back to it. Yeah. That, and, you know, I, I just, re- that reminded me of something that I did with my niece once. We were at, um, we were out to dinner and she, and I can't, oh, we had to sit at two separate tables because we were at a large party and she got worried about not sitting at the table with her, you know, with her parents. And so, um, you know, so she, she really started to get really, you know, kind of, you could see physically upset and, you know, she had that uh, regression part and, um, you know, could, so she could, we could see them from where we were sitting, but you couldn't quite hear them. So I had her write, draw on the napkin what her worry looked like. <laughs> and so she drew this, like, kind of little monster. And then, you know, then we used some silliness. So I said, let's, you know, let's crumple that up, and I'll hold it in my pocket. And, you know, and then I kept, you know, then I was just being silly, and I was like, put the worry in my pocket, put the worry in my pocket. And so um, we would put it in my pocket, and then I'd be like, it's trying to get out of my pocket, you know, and she would be like, push it back in there, and she had to be, like, oh, probably seven or eight years old at the time, but it became this, you know, this big game, and now she's, um, you know, 10, and she'll be like, remember when the worry went in your pocket, you know, because it was just this really cool moment of, I can also help you as an adult, and so I think that, you know, when you're talking about reframing, um, that's that's part of it is we can say to kids in a way like I can help you as an adult I I, I can take on some of this worry for you if you like because um, once you externalize it or once you make it you know something outside of them then then you can do something about it you can help but when it's inside of them uh, you can't really do so as much yeah absolutely and I think there's an importance over like over being over what you say. I think a lot of times when we get really in our heads as adults and saying, well, what can I say to make them not worry about this? And um, that should not be the emphasis. It could, it should more be, you know, what, how can you be, you know, to help them feel comfortable to talk about this and the importance of being calm and discussing it with them in a non-judgmental manner. I think that speaks more volumes than saying the perfect thing. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's also like not letting 
their worry become your worry. Um, you know, that if, if, if you're getting upset, and you might not be upset like angry upset or sad upset, but you're just getting, it's hard to see this kid that you care about, this child that you care about feeling worried, then, you know, um, then they can feel sense. Uh, pick that up. Children, you know, we've talked about that this a million times on our um, podcast before, is that children are these amazing leaders of our nonverbal um, behavior and facial expressions and tone of voice. And so if they see that now we're getting worried, they may pull that inside even deeper rather than um, share it with you and bring it out. Yeah, they're great with the cues. They can pick that up so quickly. Uh, anything else, Jake, in terms of how to talk to kids about worry? Did we cover um, everything? Jane, I think we we hit a lot of really good things, and I think um, when we're talking about being rather than rather than saying, I think that really is a good theme because we're talking about being playful with the worry, um, even making the worry the source of the discussion rather than the child. So, you know, saying like, oh man. The, when we start to make fun of the worry, it separates the worry from themselves, and I think that helps them realize, wow, that I am not this worry. It's something that tricks me. It's something outside of me. And I think that is just therapeutic in itself. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and it's like that they know that they can count on somebody else too, right? Um, okay, so what about some tips or tricks that we can use with children to help them when they are feeling anxious besides what tips, the ones we've already discussed in terms of what to say? Um, you know what? The biggest one I think that is most helpful and one that I think even as an adult that works and that helps is learning how to breathe. Um, and I think with kids, there's, there's some great tools with, you know, I think when it gets to a point, if it gets to a point of real panic or, it, you know, when it gets really excessive and it manifests itself physically to kind of do or use a physical means to help them lower it. And I think um, it's called belly breathing. Um, and there's a lot of different resources. I think there's isn't there an Elmo video that's on YouTube. That I think yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful with kids that helps go on their level and encourages them to breathe to where, to where their, their belly comes out. So they're not breathing from their chest, um, but they're breathing so their belly comes out, into their nose, out through their mouth, and this helps lower their anxiety and helps, it, helps them cool down um, when it gets really excessive. Um, and I think that really helps, especially with the physical, somatic symptoms that come out. Um, yeah. And helping them breathe through it really helps. It's a big thing. And an easy way to um, teach that also could be um, is uh, bubble breathing, where you use, like, those bubbles that you blow, um, I like to think, in the springtime, <laughs> summer, um, but where, you know, you just try to get it really slow um, and because you can't really blow those big bubbles if you're doing it um, at that fast, shallow breathing pace that just makes people feel more anxious. And so, um, so that's one way to... To teach, to teach that also. And there are some really great resources available on uh, belly and bubble breathing that way. Um, what else can we do? So if we're, if we're focusing on the conversation, you know, talking with the child, um, something that helps is that we're talking about that feeling of being anxious and, and there's like thinking, oh, what do I do? There's like what's going to happen? Um, you can help shift the conversation to talk about a time, well, what was the time where you felt nervous before and you you felt like you had to be really brave and you were really brave and to help them focus on a time that they overcame it. So they can start to feel like, wow, I really, I triumphed over that before, I can do it again. 
Um, and I think right. that can really help them see it in a different light and empower themselves. Yeah, that's a great tip is, you know, and I think that you can use, um, you know, all sorts of examples with kids. And, you know, if you have, if you're close to a child who you know is experiencing, you know, some of this um, anxiety that is getting in their way, especially, is look just looking for those un- unique situations that aren't so unique after all, where you've seen them be brave. So even though, you know, you were really scared about uh, going on the school bus, you still did it, and you actually made a friend on the, you know, school bus. So, e- you know, it's those even though statements um, that I think can be really helpful in, you know, pointing that out. Or, um, with some older kids is getting them to, you know, to figure that out for themselves. So sometimes you have to give examples, and so I would say be prepared with them. Um, but there's other times where you can say, like, huh, you know, can you think of any times where you were really breaking? So um, we just have about a minute or so left, Jake. What, what do you want to end with? What do you want people to really take away with them from listening to this podcast? Uh, you know what, I think the big thing would be, you know, to respect how the child experiences anxiety and really experience how, you know, how it can feel debilitating no matter what. I mean, you were talking about the story of, you know, the, the girl with the, the necklace and how, you know, when you hear that, you're like, wow, that sounds absurd. But to her, that sounds really severe. Um, so I think having respect for that and also being calm when you talk about it and knowing, you know, how you feel when you talk about, about it to them can really help as well. Yeah, that I think that that's some you know really like um, just succinct kind of way of thinking about that, and not to be scared. And you know, anxiety um, again is something normal, and I think it's important for us to take that away. And also in kids' anxiety, the, uh, like I think the last thing that I w- would want to say is it can look like all sorts of different other, you know, and other things. So you know, just sort of checking it out would probably be a good thing with your, you know, with your children and children that you care about is just, just sort of checking it out, what's going on for them. So I, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I learned a lot, and we'll have you back. We'll talk about some other things soon, too. Sound good? Absolutely. Thanks, Jody. All right. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.